0: What up, what up, what up. Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. It's been a crazy weekend. It is Sunday evening. Just had an opportunity to rewatch the border war. Even more painful the second time through, being completely honest, because CSU was the better team for like 50, 52 minutes. I mean played so hard the defense just balled out the intensity the physicality of the game but unfortunately the same stuff they've been struggling with all year came back to, to cost them a couple of plays ended up flipping it and of course wyoming you know gets to celebrate with the bronze boot and stomp on the logo and chan it sucks to be a csu ram and all the same shit everybody's been tired of seeing for six out of the last seven years so we're going to talk about that game, uh, talk about what the Rams did well, talk about where it went wrong. We'll play some player audio, some audio from Jay Norvell, and then we'll have a part two where we dive into CSU men's basketball. Currently 2-0. and Been some rough moments, but overall, I think their start has been fairly encouraging. Looking forward to getting into that big win over Southeastern Louisiana Friday night. That would have been a really bad loss for the metrics. They actually went into Laramie and upset Wyoming this afternoon, southeastern Louisiana, that is. Don't want to get too carried away. I mean, it's the first week of the season, but that's the type of loss that come selection Sunday time can keep you out. I mean, they're like 360th in Ken Palm or something crazy like that. But we'll get into hoops more on part two tonight. I wanted to start off just by talking about an incident that Uh, Allegedly happened near the OCR field club. Saw an initial tweet and I shared it from a source that I trust, a a Ram fan that was down there and witnessed this happening. You know, uh, just some drunk fans legitimately like going at Clay Millen. And I mean, first things first, it's just a poor look for an adult to be engaging with a teenager this way. I understand it's college football. It's, It's not, you know, high school football. But still, I mean, there's a lot of fans out there that do some crazy stuff and and say some crazy things to these 18, 19 year old kids. Where if the roles were flipped and someone was doing that to their children, they'd go absolutely ballistic. So, more than anything, I, I feel like, you know, those individuals should just be embarrassed of themselves and their behavior and their immaturity. But beyond that, like as a CSU fan, why would you want to do something that could potentially rattle your own quarterback? I don't know when this incident occurred if it was after the red zone interception where Clay tried to force one. Again, a bad play, but he also made some phenomenal throws. And generally, he's he's made pretty good decisions, but on that instance, you know, tried to force one into coverage, it was first down, just unnecessary young quarterback trying to do a little too much. We'll talk about that moment specifically and just a couple of the moments uh, in the game where you know despite the fact that the rams were pretty much dominating at the beginning it it just like you could feel it in the back of your mind the loss was coming anyways i'm getting uh getting sidetracked here why would you want to rattle your own player in game or otherwise i mean especially in the transfer portal era csu fans get really upset when these players leave and they talk about loyalty and this and that and then there's a small this is obviously a, a small portion of the fan base you know this isn't me you know, collectively ranting about Ram fans as a whole. Clearly, this is a minority and it sucks. But it is unacceptable. And it's just dumb. I mean, if you are a CSU fan at your core, it's just a dumb thing to do. And I understand that, you know, the fans are passionate. If you pay to sit that close to the field, you are invested in the program. I get that. But that doesn't entitle you to act this way. You can be upset. You can be critical. I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, you should just... Go rah rah, you know. Go Rams. Never admit what's wrong. You know. Never talk about the the bad stuff. Just fundamentally, it blows my mind. If you are a Ram fan, why would you do this? Why would you want to potentially rattle your own quarterback in the heat of the game? Why would you want to put, you know, doubts into the players' minds about you know CSU Rams support? You know whether this is the place they would want to be. You know whether it's the the type of environment they want to spend their college years in. I mean, there's recruits on the sideline. We want a winning football program. So don't act like losers if you have the privilege to be around the football program. That's not accountability, guys. Again, I'm not saying you can't be critical. But the thing that I don't understand is it's not like these players or or coaches are out there making excuses. Watch the post-game press conference. Those players, those coaches are saying the same things that you guys are. You know, we can't finish in the red zone and it's super frustrating and it's costing us games. We've got to be disciplined when there's too many penalties. It's, It's not like they're sitting there being you know, we're football guys and you just don't understand. You just can't see it because we had plenty of that, plenty of deflection in, in 2020 and 2021 from coaches and, you know, from a select couple of players that the coaches allowed to relay their messages. They're not making excuses. They're just not very good on offense right now. Like they flash, there's, there's pops of it, but clearly they have a ton of room for growth. But I just don't understand if you truly are a CSU supporter why you would do this because it's just all negative. It's only a negative impact on the program. It looks poorly on all of us. And I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I understand the frustration. I understand being upset with the outcome. I mean, I, I've talked about it for years. Like The border war means everything to me. I, I, it killed me to see them lose to Wyoming. But you know what? I thought that this was the best CSU played against the Pokes since 2015 when they went up into Laramie and just pretty much dominated them. I know they won in 2020, so it sounds weird to say that, but it was kind of a fluky outcome and a lot of it had to do with those early turnovers. But then, I mean, the Pokes really kind of outplayed the Rams for three or four quarters in that one and CSU was just kind of able to hold on. Sometimes fluky stuff happens. I mean, this was a fluky win for Wyoming. They know they weren't the better team. Their fans know. But when you look at how hard those guys were playing, some of those hits, just the physicality and the intensity of this game, I mean, they left it all out there. Like I said, I I think that's the hardest I've seen CSU and the best I've seen CSU play against Wyoming since 2015. And that's probably the hardest I've seen any Rams team play since the McIlwain era. And knowing that, you know, knowing how hard these guys were going, that they were, you know. Literally risking their bodies. I mean, how many injuries were there in this game? And they were heartbroken after the game. I'm gonna play some audio from Jay Norvell and Henry Blackburn. The fact that some alleged Ram fans, supposed Ram fans, would, you know, have the audacity to do this. It just it pisses me off. And I hope you get banned. I know some people will roll their eyes, call me soft, whatever. Some people will try and twist my words and try and imply that. I'm saying like that's the reason CSU lost, that there's mean RAM fans. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's pretty fucking embarrassing that you guys choose to act this way. You select few again, and it's just a bit ironic because you guys complain and complain about the lack of CSU success, and then you do stuff like this that can only hurt the program. So that's where I'm at. That's my two cents. If that makes me soft in your eyes, I'd rather be soft than thinking that that type of behavior is okay. So... All right, gonna move on because I'm getting <laughs> fired up. Gonna get into my takeaways from this matchup. Dive into some of the numbers again. We're gonna play some audio from Jay Norvell and then from Henry Blackburn. Man, I mean, you could just sitting in that post game press conference. I mean, Norvell, he had like tears in his eyes inside that locker room. They wanted that one bad, and I'm, you know, I'm heartbroken that it that it slipped away from him. But uh, yeah, we'll get into all that. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out, though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, place a stepped-up same-game parlay. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Been making a lot of money on my boy MPJ. Lighten it up. Uh, His three-point shot totals have been a nice bet. I mean, it's always fun to bet on Jokic. If you would have bet on Embiid tonight, you would have made a ton of money. He went off. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet this week. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also want to talk to you guys about AG1. It is a product that has literally changed my life. I started taking Athletic Greens because, you know, I wanted to be healthier, that this is a lifestyle that, you know, has me up late a lot, not getting the type of rest I need, not necessarily always eating the best, you know, and, and I just wanted to try and do something about that as best as I can to kind of offset it. I wanted better gut health, you know, I wanted more energy, but I don't like taking vitamins and pills. So I switched to AG1. I've been on it for over a year and I love it. It's just really easy. You put it in a cup of water every morning. Has a mild tropical taste and it has you know a ton of awesome things in just one scoop. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's a great way to start your day. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. I take it before I have breakfast and coffee. It's just a it's just part of the lifestyle now. And what's cool is, you know, if you're keto, paleo, vegan free, dairy free, gluten free, you're good there. Uh, less than 1 gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It's going to cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. And they've got 7,000 five-star reviews. So I mean, it, it, you don't just have to take my word. Trust the people and it's recommended by leading health experts, it's, it's just, quite frankly, the bee's knees. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out after your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Rams. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Rams to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: Um, just a really hard fought game. Um, really physical game. A lot of players banged up in that game on both sides. Uh, uh, we had a lot of guys, uh, we weren't quite sure if they were going to get through at the end. And I think it's a credit to both teams. You got to take your hat off to Wyoming, what they were able to accomplish um, there at the end. Uh, but it was a very close game statistically. I really felt like we needed to run the ball effectively. I challenged our guys to run the ball, especially in the second half, um, you know, with Avery and the O line. Um, we did some things at times, um, you know, I, the inability to just finish in the red zone, it's been something that we've struggled with. Um, you know, we, we had to kick a field goal one time. We threw an interception in the first half, um, you know, and then we missed a field goal there at the end of the game. Um, you know, I, I thought we had some outstanding performances by guys, um, You know, the punt return by Torrey was outstanding. The way he played as a receiver, he had the fumble at the end as a return man. You know, but we we had an opportunity to overcome that as a team and just couldn't finish on the field goal there at the end. Um, You know, I thought Daquan Jackson was outstanding tonight. You know, just played his heart out as a senior. You're brokenhearted for that kid that you can't help him win this game. You know, and I told this football team the first month of the season, I was, I couldn't really feel this team at all. You know, I was very frustrated um, with the lack of uh, response emotionally and effort-wise from our football team. I don't feel that way anymore. You know, these kids are really giving us all they got. Um, Very, very... um, proud of their effort and um you know at times we're not we're not mature enough um we don't have enough experience we're not callous enough in super competitive situations where we're playing against um you know a decent team and that's where we're falling short right now you know clay battled his tail off to the very end he was banged up he wasn't 100 percent um but I saw something in that kid tonight too. Um, so you know, it's uh, uh, it wasn't good enough, and um, you know, we got a, we got two games left with this group of seniors, and and um, and I think we're made out of the right stuff. Where we'll compete the right way.
0: All right. That was the solemn intro statement from Jay Norvell post game. He was definitely emotional. You could tell just, you know, this was a a loss that stung and I mean, it should, it's it's the border war. This was a really winnable game for the Rams. I mean, of all the ones that they, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda this year, this was definitely the, the most frustrating. I mean, obviously the, the context of the rivalry more is at stake, but the Rams led for over 40 minutes. I mean, you know, Peasley goes down, and actually, I think it would have been better if he would have stayed in because he was making some questionable decisions with the football. But for me, and, and I think this is something that Kevin Lytle wrote about as well, you know, we talked about it a lot in the press box, you just kept sitting there waiting for the other shoe to fall. And, you know, when that red zone interception happens, you're up 10-0 an opportunity at minimum to go up 13-0, but hopefully 17-0 momentum wise i just think that would have been really hard for the pokes to come back from csu's defense was absolutely dominant i mean five drives in the first half they give up you know the the scoring drive late unfortunately but they had a bunch of or six drives excuse me by wyoming one's a scoring drive one ends in an interception after getting a first down the other four are three and outs but we've just seen this story so many times over the last couple of years whether you go back to you know, that Vanderbilt game, you know, way back in early 2021, but, you know, how many times has CSU been up, you know, seven, zero, 10, zero, an opportunity to extend the lead to kind of step on the throat and instead, you know, shoots themselves in the foot. Then all of a sudden, you know, all it takes is one touchdown for the other team to be, you know, completely right back in it. And the, despite the fact that you dominated for 30 minutes, the second half, you know, you have another opportunity to score a red zone touchdown and you have to settle for a field goal. So despite the fact that the defense has forced three and outs at that point, you know, early in the third quarter on five of Wyoming's seven possessions, the other one ended in an interception and then obviously the touchdown drive. But if your defense has forced three and outs on five of seven possessions and one of the other ones resulted in a turnover, you shouldn't be sitting there feeling nervous about the game, but that's the position, you know, that Ram fans are in. Cause you just know. I mean, you already experienced it late in the half. You've been dominating, but you know, one touchdown, they're close. Now you have an opportunity to re-extend the lead to double digits. You have to settle for a field goal. You're only up six. Torrey Horton must the punt. Two plays later, the Wyoming Cowboys are leading. Their margin for error is just so thin right now. I mean, it's it's like the Broncos. It's it's eerie how similar their seasons have been just in terms of You know, having arguably the the best defenses either of these teams have had in years. And unfortunately, you know, since the offense just can't put points on the board, it's, you know, being wasted unless it's air force army or something, you should never lose a game that you only give up 14 points in, but they just, they can't seem to get out of their own way at certain times. I mean, you see the offense pop and it's really exciting. I mean, some of those throws to Horton down the field were were sick. But then you get to the red zone and you just know again, you know, going back to the, you know, you, it, you just felt like at some point CSU was going to find a way to lose it. When you get to the red zone, it just feels like the Rams aren't going to score. And I've never really seen anything like it or felt like that the way I have this year. I mean, four touchdowns and 21 trips to the red zone. It's insane. It's maddening. I mean, if they were even a competent team in the red zone or slightly below average, they probably have like three more wins right now, but this is the worst red zone unit in the entire country by a pretty wide margin. Statistically, some of that, you know, has to do with the lack of continuity within the lineup, you know, lack of chemistry between quarterbacks and receivers, you know, lack of rapport amongst the offensive linemen, you know, even in game, there are situations where there are injuries and you're sliding guys around and when you get in the red zone where the field's condensed and you can't take advantage of all the space, which is, you know, a lot of the time, how CSU is able to move the football, at least through the air, you know, it kind of just comes down to who wins in the trenches. And, you know, frankly, the Rams, they've got to, they got to fix the offensive line situation going into next year because this obviously just can't continue. I mean, you can't, you can't win games. If you can't finish, if you can't put points on the board, <laughs> when you're losing only giving up 14 points in a rivalry game, it's just, it's hard to take. And I get why the fans are frustrated. The players are frustrated. I mean, you talk to, we had a chance to hear from Jacob Gardner. We've heard from Avery Morrow on it. We've heard from Miller, the receivers that they're all frustrated, but I mean, red zone offense and, and pass protection are the two things that definitely need to be the, the highest on the priority list this off season. They've just, they've got to figure it out. I mean, it, it's almost a statistical anomaly. How bad they've been in the red zone. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> Especially because, like, they can run the ball between the twenties. That's what's really frustrating about it. And again, I get a lot of that has to do with the, you know, manipulation of space and everything getting condensed, you know, down there where the field is tight. But man, obviously, um, you know, an unpopular call to run the ball on third and long before they set up the third field goal attempt of the night. Obviously, Boyle missed that with an opportunity to retake the lead after Wyoming scored the touchdown. I will add that in the plays leading up to it, they had a couple of injuries. And so, you know, with already having a freshman walk on center, they now had backups in at right guard and right tackle. So they chose to run left behind their most experienced players. Didn't work to me. The rationale makes sense though, just given the state of your offensive line and the fact that you can't afford to go backwards there. I mean, if you, if you pass, you know, you're taking a a big risk there, just, you know, given the state of the line again, it's, It was a situation where they couldn't afford to go backwards. Didn't end up gaining anything either. So it kind of just ends up being a wasted play. So I understand the frustration there. But if they execute and pick up a couple of yards, then, you know, the staff looks really smart. But I just feel like a lot of the time when it comes to criticism with play calling, and this isn't, you know, a comment on CSU fans necessarily, but really just football fans, you know, football media as a whole. If a play works, then it was great. And if a play didn't work, then it was super dumb. But rarely do people actually get into like the situation and, you know, well, what were they thinking with this? And they're thinking we've got an offensive line that's struggling in pass pro and now we've got even more inexperience on the right side. We can't afford to go backwards. Let's see if we can pick up a couple left and give our, you know, field goal kicker, a better opportunity again, didn't work. You know, I, I could see the argument that you try a slant or like a quick out or something there, but you know, I I do think you're taking a risk of of going backwards and then being in fourth and long in a really bad spot. Morrow was going for over four yards a carry. I mean, he's been pretty consistent or as consistent as anybody else in those situations where you do desperately need to pick up yards. I don't know. It made sense to me. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, A couple other takeaways here. Torrey Horton's a baller. Uh, I'm heartbroken for him that, you know, I mean, that's a play that's going to haunt him forever. That guy's so competitive. Had a couple of questionable decisions in this one. Obviously that was a bummer that he muffed the punt, but I mean you can't pin the loss on him. He also created their only offensive touchdown, had 168 receiving yards, almost had a, a second touchdown at the end of the first half where he gets tackled at the three by one of the fastest defenders in the Mountain West. Great players are gonna make mistakes every now and then. Unfortunately, he had an untimely one and it, you know, came back to to hurt CSU, but there were a lot of moments that came back to hurt CSU in this game, you know, they missed the field goal. They couldn't execute on third and long to get it closer. They had the red zone interception. They couldn't score a touchdown early in the fourth quarter. Wasn't quite as frustrating as, as San Jose state, but I mean, this game meant more, so I guess you can make that argument, but it's just you know like death by a million paper cuts. And it's a really, really crappy way to lose a game. If you're trying to pin it all on Horton though, that's, you know, an unfair argument. It lacks context of the rest of the four quarters. I mean, again, it was a big play, no doubt. Definitely had a huge impact on it, but there were a lot of moments where the Rams had an opportunity to really, you know, win this game and they just they couldn't stop stumbling over themselves. And that's been the the story throughout conference play, unfortunately. But they're playing so hard and I mean I'll I'll have nothing but respect for a team that lays it all on the line like this this group has in conference play. It's been it's been difficult. <laughs> it's been crappy and I'm fortunate to see them, you know, not get the results that we want obviously, but I mean to me it really does feel like they're establishing the foundation of a winning football program. Last takeaway before I give a couple stars of the game and then play uh, some audio from Henry Blackburn talking about how difficult this was. Freddie Banks is going to be a high-level coach someday, probably sooner than we want. <laughs> I really hope they can keep him for a few seasons and you know keep developing this defense. But this is as good of a Rams D as I can remember in like the last twenty years. I mean, statistically, you might be able to find a couple that are better, and some of that is kind of flawed because some of those uh, early season games, and they were a great example of why you actually needed to watch the games. You know, I talked about that. Even in the takeaways, I was like, I, I feel like they're actually pretty good. They're just constantly having to defend short fields. And, you know, with the offense being unable to do anything for, you know, a couple weeks there, they were on the field all game long. In league play with CSU being able to run the ball a little bit and balance the time of possession, I mean, we've really seen this defense flourish. They create turnovers. They get after the quarterback. It was a great game from Okamara and CJ Onyeki again. Daquan Jackson, man, was everywhere in this one. The secondary was great. You know, Jack Howell making plays all over the field. Henry Blackburn delivered the biggest open field hit I've ever, or not ever seen, but I've seen this season. And he also had a phenomenal interception where Hector, you know, was just trying to break it up and it ends up falling into Blackburn's hands and credit to him for not giving up on the play. The biggest thing with this D though is they tackle. They tackle so much better and more consistently than any Rams defense that I can remember, at least in the last decade, like even some of those defenses that had talented players, it just felt like they constantly got gashed for these frustrating runs where, you know, missed arm tackles and stuff like that. And, you know, for the most part CSU, especially in, in league play has done a good job of preventing those explosive plays. So I just wanted to shout out Freddie banks have been very impressed and encouraged with him. I had high hopes when they brought him over from Montana state and you looked at what he was able to do at that unit in such a short time, but. I mean, what he's done with this group, just hitting the ground running, especially with the lack of depth that they have, you know, behind these guys. It's really significant. My stars of the game got to go with Daquan Jackson, Henry Blackburn, and Avery Morrow. Morrow went over the century mark again, another hundred yard performance. Uh, Horton did just about everything for this team offensively. And then Daquan Jackson. I mean, it was just a lot of fun watching him 13 total tackles, uh, had a tackle for loss just felt like he was in on every single run play. And you could feel, you know, how badly he wanted to win that game, both with his comments, you know, in the week leading up to it, but also just observing how hard he was going out there. And I mean, you never really questioned DeQuan's effort, but I mean, that guy would have cut his leg off to beat Wyoming. And that's why it was so heartbreaking. And, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to speak with DJ post game. I'm sure he was really emotional, but I do want to leave you with some audio from Henry Blackburn, just talking about how, this was the worst loss he's experienced at any level of football, and how painful it was for him. And I just think it's important to keep that perspective through all the frustration. Again, that doesn't mean you can't be critical. That doesn't mean you can't be upset when they lose. But, you know, going back to the open, you know, when you hear these guys and, you know, see how hard they're working and, you know, see how emotional they are after losing a, a game like this, it just humanizes them in a really important way. And I think it's really easy to lose sight of that when, you know, you're in the emotion of the game as a fan. And I'm again, I'm not telling you to be upset. I just want everybody to keep this perspective and, you know, recognize the fact that while it has been frustrating, that they haven't been able to come out victorious in some of these games, I mean, they are heading in the right direction. They're not getting embarrassed the way that they got embarrassed the final six weeks under Adazio. Obviously, big game coming up against Air Force. Then you try and keep the winning streak against New Mexico alive, go out on a high note. But, uh, yeah, it's been a tough one, obviously. This one stung certainly the most painful loss for me as a CSU guy since probably, probably Boise State 2017, to be honest. And it was ironic because it was exactly five years to the day after that. So kind of fitting. But here's that audio from Henry Blackburn, And again, stay tuned. We're going to have part two tonight talking about CSU hoops. Also going to talk a little bit about being at Tom Hilbert's final regular season home match. Still have the Mountain West tournament coming up, but it was weird. It was definitely emotional. End of an era. It was cool to experience it in person. But uh, again, here's that audio from Henry Blackburn. That's what I will leave you with. Much love. Shout out to the presenting sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that code DNVR when you sign up.
1: How bad does this program just need you know a win in a game like this and time in turn out how much does that kind of make it worse to see them celebrating on your field? Yeah, I mean that that stings. This game, I mean, it's probably the,
0: the the hardest loss I've ever I've ever had in playing football ever. I mean, this one hurts more than anything, and it just hurts because we had it in our in our grasps and we were right we were we were only a couple plays away and. You know, this one stinks. This this game means everything to us. And so, you know, it's tough to, to walk away with a loss. And you can't do anything about it now. But we just got to focus on the next game. We just got another trophy game next week, Air Force in-state rivalry. So that's all we can focus on now.
1: Christmas I get.